that's demonstrating this is a conviction. Let me tell you, I'm, con- I am con- I am, I'm more than convicted about coming to church. It's a part of my life. You don't have to ask me if I'm coming to church because church I have built over the last many years is part of my life. What I do on a Sunday is go to church. Why? Because I understand the value of the fellowshipping together and the rubbing shoulders and hearing the word and being in this corporate environment of worship and all those kind of things. I've seen the value of it. So you don't have to ask me anymore. It has become such a conviction. It's a lifestyle now. Some people wake up on Sunday mornings and they're still deciding, am I going to go to church? You've not. You don't know the value of what you have here. Are you all still there? Good. And when I do this trust and rely on conviction and all those things that faith is, then here's something that you'll start to see change in your life. You'll start to see your confession change. What you are saying with your mouth. You know, Romans, it says, call things that be not as though they are. It didn't say call things that are as though they aren't. You didn't catch that one. Because that's a confusing statement. It says, call things that be not as though they are. In other words, we're calling something that is not there, but we're declaring it by the name of Jesus that is going to change. But if I had a broken leg, so let's say, for example, I've got a broken leg and I come here with a plaster cast. And you say, hey, how did you break your leg? No, my leg's not broken. I'm actually lying. Because it is broken. So how do I respond? I respond in saying, you know what? I did a crazy thing. I did. I have broken my leg. But will you now put your faith together with me? And will you believe God with me that God will supernaturally heal this thing quickly? Calling things that be not as though they... Healed in Jesus' name. It'll be seen by your boldness. It'll be seen by your boldness. Faith will be seen by your boldness. So when you pray, you move away from, and I understand, please don't, don't misquote me now, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking a truth and I'm just stretching it a little bit, okay? But sometimes we hide behind the Lord. Well, the Lord, if it's your will. No, what is God's will? His word. His word is his will. And if you'll get before God and he gives you a word, I've got this. Then you and I stand on that word and every time we pray, we declare that word. And every time we speak, we declare that word. And we just keep on declaring that word. Louisa, that got the scripture. What is the scripture again? It says? Yeah. Stand firm and prepare for, I've got this. So what happens is she's gone into the year declaring that. And she saw that thing happen right there in the testimony. You see, that's faith in operation. When all of a sudden God's spoken, God's given me a word, and now all of that thing's become so real to me that everything else doesn't even come into the picture. It'll be seen by how I, uh, how I do God's word. In John eleven thirty nine. 39... The whole story, and I'm not going to read through that, when Jesus uh, raises Lazarus from the dead and he goes there, Lazarus was very close to him, and he had been dead four days, and, and he says, where do you lay Lazarus? And he says, man, he's going to be smelling not so lacquer anymore. And so Jesus says, take me there. 
You see, what was happening is, and he told him, roll the stone away. Get it, get, get it out of the way. So, so all of a sudden, Jesus is operating not in what is seen, but what is unseen. And so faith now is obeying when, it doesn't, when you don't understand it. Because your natural brain, if you were standing there, you would have also been concerned about the aroma and the decay and the, all that kind of stuff. But what we need to understand is above that, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he can. And then faith is doing when it does not seem like it can happen. There are many people that are sitting right in this room that God has done things that are like out, out of the boundary. So just a quick reminder of kind of like our home story and, and um, we couldn't find another home and we were supposed to be out by the end of January. And only by the 20th of February were we able to kind of like sort out the house rent and sort out the new lease and all that kind of stuff. 20 days after I was supposed to be out. God's never late, but sure does push the boundary lines. <laughs> so, but can you remember what I did? I stood up here and I made a public declaration. Remember that? That's how you all got to know about this. Guys, you need to understand the enemy is messing me around concerning my house story. And I'm, I think it was a week before the end of January. We didn't have a home. They didn't want to sign a lease. They were asking unfair things about for me. I had, a, I had a guarantee of my employment for a year and doing all sorts of crazy things that doesn't have to. You don't need that to have to rent a home. And I got up here and I said, I declare in Jesus' name, I have a home. Remember that for those of you who were here. So sometimes you're going to have to start to make some very bold declarations. So the Bible dictionary talks about faith as trust, trusting commitment of one person to another, particularly of a person towards God. Trusting commitment of one to another. See, faith is the core of Christianity. Everything that you and I do is built on faith. Now, what you also need to understand, faith is not hope. It might start off as hope. Because we don't know God and we hope things. But as we get to know the word, we need to understand this is who God is. So hope is trusting with no certainty. There's no guarantees over here. It's, it's, it's a maybe. It's a might. It's a possibility. But faith, when you move from hope to faith, it's like something clicks on the inside. And I know that I know that I know this is it. So give me a, a quick illustration. So the, the, the church in Lady Brand where we were, um, kind of like there was lots of history to it, and the church was very unsettled, and uh, lots of pastors had come and gone and that kind of stuff. And, and so I really felt in my heart to, to buy a home in a sense of a demonstration to the church, I'm not planning on leaving, to settle the church down. So we go to see this home. There's not very many homes for sale, but we go and see this home. And um, we put in an application, and no bank wants to give me a loan. So we leave it. Can't do it. Two years goes by. And all of a sudden, somebody phones me about the same house. I said, ah, that's my home. I said it was my home the first time. Maybe that's why nobody else could buy it. <laughs> so I go, go back again. I said, okay, right, we're going to do the application again. So we went to the first bank. They say, no. Second bank, no. Third bank, I think they were going to give us something like 40%, which wasn't going to happen anyway because I don't have the rest of the money. 
And I stood up in front of the church and I said, church, I need you to know, I'm busy buying a home. No bank wants to give me a loan. We're going to the fourth and the final bank. I declare in Jesus' name that that is my home and this bank will give us a loan. One week later, I've got a 90% bond with that following bank. You see, sometimes you're going to have to get a bit aggressive because the enemy wants to just push you around and play with you. He bullies you. And you and I need to understand what the Word of God says and stand on that thing. And he said, I want to build my church. And sometimes there's things that we need to do so that his church can grow. So that's why Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the substance. Substance, there's something you have for substance, you can feel it, of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So God gives you like, there's evidence. If you go into court and there's, there's stuff, they want to know the evidence, tangible stuff. There's something tangible that God gives you. Now, it might not be in things, but there's an assurance that comes in your heart. I've got this one. Remember when you were young? Some of us, that might be hard. And it was your birthday coming up. How many of you used to get excited? Used to, used to get excited, not used to, yeah, get excited about the gift you're going to get on your birthday. How many? Uh, being honest with you now. Okay, so I asked Joel this question, by the way, when I was kind of putting this together. I asked Joel this. I asked him, I said, Joel, was there ever a time as you were growing up that when it was birthday was coming that you wouldn't get a present? And he said, never. So how could he get there? How could you know that you were going to get a, a, a present? There was an insurance. There was something that you knew that you knew, but you didn't have a present. And it hadn't happened yet. But there was something that you knew. What was it based on? Faith. But there's something that helps faith kick in. Evidence. What's that? What is the evidence? Past experience. Past experience. You see, you got a present last year, so why are you not going to get a present this year? And the Bible says, unless you come like a child, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. There's sometimes it comes a time when you and I just need to be like children. Simple. Like, you said it, I believe it, that's it. So what we need to do, know, is this, is that faith is based on relationship. It's based on a relationship. I'm building my relationship with God. And the more I get to know Him, the more I get to trust Him. And that's why we need to do that. So how Paul says this in, in Philippians 3.10, he says, I, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And the whole verse is, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, fellowship of His suffering. But the thing is that he wanted to know Him. Know him. Why? Because he wanted to understand everything about him. Now, if there's anybody that went through a lot of stuff, it was Paul. And the Bible, now the Bible speaks about this. It speaks about doubt and unbelief. And the reason why the Bible speaks about it is because it's a reality. It's something you and I face all the time. And so the, guess what the enemy's going to do? Whenever you and I need to stand in faith, he's going to start to throw doubt and unbelief in here. So you remember, the lion you feed is the lion that's going to eat you. 
If you feed the doubt and unbelief, that's the lion that's going to eat you. But if you will feed faith, that's the one that's going to... Okay, it's not going to eat you, but it's going to help you. (laughs) Wasn't a very good illustration there. You see, faith is exactly the same. It's about a track record. How many of you doubt your salvation? Anybody here doubt your salvation? No? How did... How did, you, how did you get saved? By faith. Did you understand God? No. Did you, had you seen him? No. What, did, what was it based on? You see, you heard something. So, so, so here's a kind of question. When did faith start in your life? Was it before salvation or after salvation? Can I, can I give you Basil's version? You see, if it's, the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God, then there must have been faith in operation to receive God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. So, so what happens is, and Romans, where is that scripture now? I've jumped so far ahead of myself, it's scary now. Where is that scripture? So in Romans 12, 3, it says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. I believe at the day of salvation, enough faith was put inside you to be able to make the decision, God, I give you my life. But that measure of faith is not enough to keep you going for the rest of your life. It has to be increased. It has to be built on. You see, believing God for 10 rand and believing God for 100,000 rand is two different levels of faith. Same God, but there's just something has to change, something has to shift, something has to be more. And so we need to build our faith to be able to, um, to, be able to keep walking with the Lord. Um, Proverbs 3 verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. And so there comes a time when you and I are going to have to not lean on my understanding because my understanding has got influenced by what's going on around me and what I'm seeing and all that kind of stuff. But my heart is influenced by the word. And so I need to fill myself with the word so that my heart stands up. So Christianity is called the great confession. You see, you and I, your confession gets us saved, and our confession gets the promises of God operating in our life, and our confession gets God's provision coming to us. So we're going to have to get, that's why I said just now, that when you and I start to be people of faith, you'll see that your conversation all of a sudden starts to change. Why? Because you're believing God's word more than anything else. And when a, when a challenge comes, what you do is you declare God's word before you declare what you feel. I'm not asking us to not be real with people. Because if you, every single one of us, when we're in a, in a pressured situation, you feel the pressure. You can't deny that. So you can be real and say, you know what? You're the pressure's vault at the moment. But let me tell you what I'm standing on. You know, I read this in the Word. And you, and, and you start to present the Word instead of the problem. God's faithful. John Emmon said this, An African impala can jump to a height of 3 meters and cover a distance of 10 meters. 
Yet these magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure in the zoo with a three-foot wall. The animals will not jump if they cannot see where their foot will land. Faith is the ability to trust what we cannot see. And with faith, we uh, are freed from the flimsy enclosures of life that only fear allows to encamp us. There's something on the inside of you and I that's far bigger than you actually know. God put it there. And that is fed by the Word of God, and that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And if there's something that the enemy doesn't want you to be as a person of faith, because as soon as you get to understand that and you start to live that, you're creating more and more challenges for him. So as long as he can keep you and I ignorant, he keeps us bound. See, fear will stop us jumping the three-foot wall when we can actually jump three meters. Fear will stop us jumping over something we cannot see when we actually can jump far further than that. But fear then paralyzes us. Two stories that kind of like illustrate this a little bit. Donna Artwood recorded, says, One night a house caught fire and a young boy was forced to the flee to the roof. The father stood on the ground below with outstretched arms calling to his son, Jump, I'll catch you. He knew the boy had to jump to save his life. All the boy could see, however, was flames, smoke, and darkness. As can be imagined, he was afraid to leave the roof. His father kept yelling, jump, I'll catch you. But the boy protested, dad, I can't see you. And the father replied, but I can see you. That's all that matters. Our God sees us all the time. Another one. During the terrible day of a bombing, a father holding his small son by the hand ran from the building that had been struck by a bomb. And in front of the yard was a shell hole. And seeking shelter as quick as possible, the father jumped into the hole and held his arms up to his son who, uh, to follow. Terrified, yet hearing his father's voice telling him to jump, the boy replied, I can't see you. The father looked up against the sky, tinted red by the burning building, called to the silhouette of his son, but I can see you jump. The boy jumped because he trusted his father. Christian faith enables you and I to face life or meet death, not because we can see, but with the certainty that we are seen, not that we know all the answers, but that we are known. I think that's just beautiful. Therefore, faith is the title deeds before the transfer. Faith is the title deeds before the transfer. Sometimes, and can I, can I say this? There comes a time when you and I, maybe we need to get very radical in praising God because that's the title deeds we have before the answer and the breakthrough comes. Remember Jehoshaphat when he went out to war? What did he do? He put the praises in front. That's what God said. Put the praises in front and let them praise. And they were praising. And the Bible says that while they were praising, God brought confusion into the enemy's ranks. I want to tell you that I don't think we understand the power of the things that God gives us to do, especially in praise and worship. And sometimes we're more overcome by our emotions than we are by what we're declaring. And we need to become people that will be bold to declare how amazing God is. How do I increase my faith? How do I increase my faith? Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from? Food lovers market. Pick and pay. Oh. The garage, you go to the pump and you fill your car up. 
It comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. That's the NIV version. The King James Version says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we need to understand something. Faith can come no other way other than through the word. That is why you've got to listen to it. You've got to read it. You've got to believe it. You've got to live it. You've got to do all those things. Why? Because that's how we exercise that muscle. Can you imagine somebody in the gym and you would laugh at this? They're standing in front of the weights and they don't do anything with it. And they walk home and they say, that is a good workout. Well, after 10 years, their lafey will look exactly the same. Why? Because they never exercised anything. And our faith is exactly the same. Is that if you're not exercising it, let me give you an illustration. So when I, I first, not when I first, I kind of like got to a place where I, I rededicated my life to the Lord. And it was when I started to work. And I, um, the salary that we earned as a, an apprentice electrician was 150 Zimbabwe dollars a month. The rent on my house was 500. I wasn't living with anybody. I was looking after my mom. Her pension was 200. So we, at the beginning of the month, we are already on the back foot. Now the fact that I'm standing here today is a testimony of how amazing God was, not over just one or two days, but over years. And there were times when we had nothing. I remember one coming home one day, and, and my mom said, you know what, I, the only food we've got in the house is enough ingredients for some biscuits. Ginger biscuits actually were the, the and, I, and I love ginger biscuits. And I said, hey, I can do that. So she bakes the ginger biscuits. I, I go off to work. I come back the next day. And then I can't believe what she's told me. She said, when I was making these things, I felt God said I must give them away. And I'm thinking, What? But you know, we were so radical at that stage because there were a lot of stuff that was happening. And um, we were so radical, I said, if God told you, let's do it. So she put, gives me two, next morning two containers, and I go and I land them, give them off to the people. I said, please, can you just keep these containers because I have no place to keep them at work, and I'll come back by here afterwards, and I'll fetch them before I go home. Shop. I go home, I, I mean, I go back, I fetch the containers, I go home. I don't look inside them. When we get home, and we open them to wash them. There is more money in those containers than our combined income together. You see, that's when you get so radical. You just trust God when it doesn't make sense. Just on top of that story is that I live 10 Ks out of town. And I was 40 Ks from, work, from church. And I had to choose whether I would jump in the car and drive to work every morning and then not have the means to travel 40 kilometers because it's now in another town. So then I drive to work and I don't go to church. Or I walk to work and I can drive to church. I had to make that decision. Every morning, wake up. Before anybody else is awake. And it's not down the road where you can hike. I'm living in this middle of sugar cane. There's no, anything that goes past you is tractors. And I walk to work. And I walk back again. Just so that on Sunday, I can drive to church. Why? Because I saw the value of what church does for me. That's why I told you I don't have to. I, don't, I made up my mind then that I'm going to church. I don't decide, am I going to church today? You know Why? 
Because I realize that every time I come here, my faith is being built on the Word of God because I'm hearing the Word. And the Word is feeding me and the Word is helping me. And that is how we got through many of the times. I remember the one time, sorry I'm telling you lots of stories now. So I made it. I, had, I knew I had enough petrol to get there. And there's no, there's no engine and, and, and shell ultra cities uh, in the between towns like you have them over here. And so I got there and I knew I didn't have enough to get back. And so I was driving as slow as I could to try and make my petrol go as far as I could. So I had less to walk when I ran out. And I remember the one person in church, he came past, an older gentleman, and um, he came on, and he's gone past me, whatever. And I just waved at him, and um, I see his brake lights. So I chug up to him, and he says, what's wrong with you today? I said, oh, I'm just pondering on the word, you know. <laughs> he says, you lie, little rascal. Jesus told me you need some petrol. I'll follow you and make sure you get. And he came and blessed me with a full tank. But you see, when you and I will put God first in stuff, he will get stuff to you. He'll get things to you. Because he wants you to trust him. He is trustable. Is that a good English word? Trustworthy. That's a better. Yeah, that sounds like. Okay, so you can see that I didn't do well at school. So, um, so it's out there now. <laughs> Whenever I do any document, thank you, Jesus, for spell check. Because um, otherwise you would get some crazy stuff. Only that I understand. What is are all the things that faith does for them? I'm going to give you a whole list. They're going to be on the, sh- on the slide and then we're going to close. What does faith do for us? Acts 15, 9, our hearts are purified by faith. Acts 26, 18, we are sanctified by faith. Romans 1, 18, the righteous will live by faith. Romans 3, 23, we are justified by faith. Romans 4, 13, we are declared righteous by faith. Romans 4, 16, the promises of God come by faith. Romans 5, 2, we gain access to grace by faith. Romans 11.20, we stand by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.7, we live by faith and not by sight. Galatians 3.14, we receive the promises of the Spirit by faith. Hebrews 11, by faith we conquer. By faith we conquer in Jesus' name. So remember Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God. God wants you and I to exercise our faith muscle. And here's something that I learned in my Christian life. When life is going easy, you and I relax. And we don't exercise our faith muscle. So let me tell you what happened. There's that we lived for four years trusting God for almost every single day. And then I qualified and they offered me a, 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 a position. And so what happens is all of a sudden my salary bounced up there. And I didn't have to believe God anymore. I had enough. And you know what I stopped? I stopped exercising my faith muscle. And it wasn't long after that that I needed to believe God again. And you know what? I had forgotten how to. I had forgotten how to. And I had to go and dig that all up again. And I had to go and find the scriptures that I would stand on every single day. And I want to ask you and I, if you ever get to a place where life is easy, put yourself in a place where you have to believe God for something. Keep exercising that faith muscle. Romans 14, 23, everything that does not come from faith 
sin. It's a powerful statement. But let's be people that will trust God. Let us be those people that will radically take God at His word. Amen. It's part of our foundation as a Christian. And so I want to ask you, I want to challenge you this week. Will you go and do something that will stretch your faith level? Stretch you in God. Don't live comfortably. If you've never prayed for somebody before, why don't you go and do that? Go and pray for somebody. If you've, I don't know, there's a gazillion things that you can do, but wherever you're at, don't compare yourself to somebody else because you're not somebody else, you're you. You're at where you're at, your level of faith. And so all I'm asking is, will you just, where you're at, will you stretch yourself a little bit? And then next week, will you stretch yourself a little bit again? And the week after that, will you stretch yourself? Will you do something that maybe you would have never done before? Just stretch yourself. Stretch yourself. Don't live a comfortable Christian life. Live a life that just keeps demanding more of you and that... God can demonstrate what he's put on the inside of you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Your word is so real. Thank you that, Father, it's relevant for today. It helps us to walk in righteousness. It helps us to beat the enemy at his games and his tricks. It helps us to see your hand that's not too short operate in our situations. It helps us to see that, God, you love us so much that you care. It helps us see all those things. And I'm asking that, Lord, tonight, where the enemy has maybe been successful in using condemnation, I pray that, Lord, tonight, as we declare what Romans 8 once says, therefore now there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And I pray that, Lord, we would rise up above all those things in Jesus' name. And I pray that, God, you would demonstrate yourself strong to each one of us in Jesus' name. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for you said you've exalted your word above your name. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word is established forever. Thank you we can trust your word. Thank you we can rely on your word. We can build our lives on your word in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place tonight. Maybe you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. That's the starting point to everything. And the reason Jesus came is because he loves you and he loves me and he loves all of us. And he never ever intended that you and I would not have a relationship with him. But sin came in and separated us. Jesus came to buy us back. And that's going to require that you and I give our lives to him. That's what he came for. But it's your choice. It's my choice. If you're in this room tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, and you've been hearing the word, and you've, you've really been just stirred in your heart, you know what, I need to fix this. I'd love the privilege to pray with you. And if maybe you had at one stage, but somewhere along the line, life has become just, I don't know, got all clouded, and you're really not serving God any longer, and, and you realize that you become cold in your, in your, in your heart, in your relationship, and God's just almost like a word, and, 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 and there's no life between you anymore. Maybe you need to come to a place where you recommit your life to Jesus. So there'll be head bowed in not to embarrass any single person, but if you are yeah. Will you just indicate and say, yes, that's me. Will you put up your hand and say, yes, please. Will you pray for me? The Bible says, if you will confess Jesus as Lord, he will forgive you of your sin. 
He will receive you. John 1 says, one twelve says, To all who received him, to all who called on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Is there anybody in this place? Jesus is touching you right now. Don't listen to your head right now. Your head might be saying, this doesn't make sense. Your heart is saying, this is what you need. Will you respond to your heart? Father, I want to thank you as I commit all these wonderful people to you. I want to thank you that, Lord Jesus, you're alive and you're real. And I pray that every single one of us will continually experience you and that you will cause your life to flow through every single one of us in Jesus' name. I commit every single person to you in the mountains and the challenges that they face. And Lord, I pray that you would demonstrate yourself to every single one. Will you bring answers where answers are needed? Will you move things around where things need to be changed? Will you do what no man can do? Commit them to you now. Speak your peace over every single heart and mind, every home. And I thank you that your name would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.